podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is proudly sponsored by The Terrace, the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandising. Check out their range of Forest merch by visiting theterracestore.com or visit them on social media. The 1865 Match Report. Welcome to the 1865 Match Report as we reflect on Steve Cooper's first match in charge of the Reds. It ended Forest 1, Millwall 1 and a point for the new man in his first game as head coach. Forest made a bright start to the game but it was Millwall who went in front. Matt Smith, remember him? giving them the lead midway through the first half with a header, beating Joe Worrell in the air and then nodding past Bree Samba into the corner, a well-taken goal. But Forrest came back in the second half and it equalised seven minutes in. Max Lowe, he didn't mean it, but we don't care. The ball from the cross on the left-hand side, sailing over Bots Pilkowski in the Millwall goal and it was in off the far post to make it 1-1. Forrest had chances. During the game, there was an early one, Lewis Graben firing straight at the keeper after good work from Spence down the right-hand side. Lyle Taylor also saw an effort blocked in the second half after a nice corner move. But in the end, neither team really troubled the goalkeepers as, as the game went late on. And both teams settle in for a share of the spoils. I'm joined by Baz to look back on the game. Starting with the first half, Baz, what did you feel was different under Steve Cooper that we hadn't seen from a Forest team, particularly on home turf this season? Um, Obviously, the shape was different, so we matched them up with a back three again. Um, It'd be interesting to see what happens when we play against a team that plays a back four. Do we stick with a back three or do we change shape again to match up whoever we're playing against? Um, What that meant as well, the front three, uh, which yesterday started off with Graben, um, Lolly and Johnson, um, they swapped positions a lot. So quite often it would be grabbing on the wing with Johnson in the middle or, or whatever, uh, Lolly and Johnson swapping wings, which I thought was really interesting. But all three of them played quite narrow. So we relied on the fullbacks, or the wingbacks rather, for all, all the width. Um, luckily, they were very, very good yesterday. To come on to the fullbacks, because they were both very good, Max Lowe and Jed Spence, what were they bringing the team that perhaps we hadn't seen previously in the season you mentioned there the width but I think they were also big outlets for Forrest just trying to get the ball into wider positions and stretch Millwall where they could yeah absolutely so one of the I think what what used to happen would be we'd have um, like say grabbing up front and then the other two attackers would be playing wide so they'd offer like an overlap but it would leave the centre of the park quite empty whereas this meant that we could sort of have bodies in all areas of the park because they, the Spence and Lowe, they both loved bombing forwards and getting very, very high up the pitch, very, very wide. It did kind of have a bit of a problem where sometimes they would end up almost by the corner flag and not really have any options because everyone else was right in the box. And so if they couldn't get a high cross in, then they, they had nowhere to go. But it did mean that we could stretch them and, and, basically meant that we weren't outnumbered in any part of the pitch, which is what's been happening for the last, what, six months or so. And the Millwall goal, it came after they started to take control in the first half and pin Forrest back into their own half. And it was a typical goal that we seem to concede against Millwall, and particularly to Matt Smith with a cross coming in and a header. 
just watching it, you you start to think, oh, here we go again, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think we'll, we'll probably touch on this later on, and I hate to have a go at it, but kind of what happened was one of their, their uh, winger kind of slipped away from Yates. Uh, Yates sort of went in for a half-hearted tackle. He slipped away from it. And from that moment on, you could tell that there was a lot of danger. He put the cross in. Smith went above Worrell, I think it was. And yeah, and basically, well, it's Matt Smith. You know what he's going to do. Exactly. Um, especially against us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but second half, though, Forrest did come back into the game and started brightly. And the goal from your position, because you sit down, you, you sit lower than me. So obviously yeah. my position looked like a cross, did it? What it did looked you see very, it? very much like a cross, but... Actually, um, Steve Sutton on the radio afterwards, he said as soon as he left its boot, he knew it was going in. And there was like, as, as soon as the ball went into the air, there was like this hushed expectation. We knew something was going to happen, but we were kind of amazed, obviously, that it went in. And you could tell from Max Lowe's reaction, he was a bit surprised as well. Just to come on to the substitution for Lewis Graben in the first mm. half now, he went off about half an hour in but you wanted to pick up on something with the substitutions is something to do with the concussion substitution that Forrest yeah. didn't make it take advantage of. Well, so, I mean, I didn't know about this, but apparently if you have a player taken off the concussion, then the opposition also gets an extra substitution as well to, to make up for, to equalize it or something like that. Now the, the actual incident, um, the bloke next to me was screaming for a penalty. Um, I thought, yeah, it was hot six of one, half a dozen of the other, basically two players committed going for it. I don't think it should necessarily have been a free kick against us. It was just one of them things. They ran into each other. Um, but the interesting thing was Steve Cooper afterwards said that um, Graben was out with a thigh injury, not concussion. So the fact that Millwall had four substitutions uh, kind of gets negated by that. But then I had my doubts about some of the stuff about the, that the referee was doing. There's a point in the second half where, again, another rule that, um, I'm not entirely convinced by where if the ball hits the keeper, it's supposed uh, if the ball hits the referee rather it's supposed to be a drop ball, an uncontested drop ball. Well, in that deep in their half, the ball smacked right into them. They went on the break. The referee seemed to hesitate, think, do I do the call, the drop ball? But he let play on, and that left them with a three versus two break that we were quite lucky to get away with. Um, so part of me thinking maybe the ref just doesn't isn't fully up to date with the rules. <laughs> Or maybe I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I'll be honest, in the championship, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Just coming on to um, Lyle Taylor then, because he replaced Lewis Graben mm-hmm. in that first half. I think what it shows, especially now if Graben does have a thigh injury and could miss the next couple of games, it shows that we did need to bring a striker in during the yeah. summer. I mean, that you could argue that Mighton and Johnson can both play up front. So they could slot in there. But, I mean, when you've got the teams we've been playing recently, your, your Cardiffs, your Millwalls, your um, Middlesbroughs, you don't really want to be putting Alex Mighton up against against some big lads like that. I thought what was also... Um, Taylor got quite a lot of abuse from the stands. Um, I thought he ran very, very hard, but he was quite often in the wrong position. But I would also say, in his defence, um, up till yesterday up till yesterday's game I think maybe we put one cross on for him and he scored for it all season so yesterday he got maybe three crosses to get on the end of and he just wasn't I don't know not sharp enough or whatever he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time he did put a lot of work in but I think he frustrated a lot of people at the same time 
I think he did. There was a one moment there you you're talking about near misses when Brendan Johnson got away down the right hand side, pulled the ball across the six yard box, and Taylor was hanging back and, and just wasn't there to tap that ball in as perhaps Lewis Graben would have been because he's a bit more of a six yard poacher than Taylor is. And I think he saw that with little moments like that yesterday with the chances created. Just coming on to the fans then, I got the impression that even though it was the first game in charge for a new manager, there was still some discontent among the fans. What did you pick up on from where you were sat? Yeah, when, when we were on the way to the match, we were listening to Radio Nottingham and they had lots of interviews with all the fans and the, the word that came out was optimistic, but the, I didn't think the atmosphere in the ground was that opt. It was, it was positive. Certainly it was much, much better than the other day with, um, with Middlesbrough. But any time anything went slightly wrong, you could hear this undercurrent of discontent. Um, the, there was a lot of complaining about Yates. There was a lot of complaining about Lyle Taylor. And then there's this woman who sits behind me who just kept on having a go at Brees Samba at every possible opportunity. And it was like, I don't know, it's, it was like, yeah, there's, there's a fresh start, but whatever's gone on before that hasn't been wiped away by this fresh start. There's, and it could, it could be, if, if Cooper struggles for three games, then I think the, the atmosphere could get pretty toxic. Yeah, there were a few instances yesterday where there'd be a misplaced pass or a player not moving into a, a certain position. And fans around me were very quick to, to vocalise that and, you know, have a go at the player yeah. in question. I do get the impression that patience has, has just worn thin with the fans. And that's not anything to do with Steve Cooper. I think it's just the situation. Mm. Many of us have been watching this now for 20 years and not really seen great signs of improvement. But hopefully the team are going to give the fans something to, you know, to start cheering about again and, f- and feel a bit more positive watching, especially when they, they go to games at the city ground. Did you feel that there were positives to take from the game? And did you see things that under Steve Cooper, potentially that, that give you hope and a bit more optimism for, for this team? Um, yes. So obviously the, the wingbacks, we've mentioned them, they, the, and this system plays to their strengths. Um, but the big thing that for me was, especially in the second half, um, even though you know what Millwall are going to be like, they're going to bully you, they're going to be big, strong, they're going to be hard to get through. Um, and when they're defending, they sat back in like a really, really compact, like um, defensive, two-layer defensive wall. But we didn't give up. What we tried to do was keep meaningful possession, even if it meant going sideways, keep meaningful possession possession just in front of their D. Now, maybe two weeks ago, we'd have dropped all the way back to our halfway line or whatever, and then let them come on to us. Whereas now we were trying to keep the pressure on high up the pitch. And that's, if we can keep that going, then I think the fans will just be happy with that improvement alone, because it shows that we're trying to, to work something, trying to make something happen. Definitely. I think there's, there's more to feel positive about with this team now, and hopefully we'll see that come through with more time that Cooper has to work with the team. Next up for Forest, it's Barnsley away on Wednesday, and we'll be back with you then with our match reports. Until then, thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.